Do you love Steve McQueen, Yul Brenner, Charles Bronson, James Coburn, Eli Wallach? Of course you do. Round up your horses and fire off a few guns because we are on a ride down memory lane with the classic western, The Magnificent Seven from 1960. Welcome to this week's episode of Adult Beverage Film Podcast. Listen to our hosts talk about your favorite movies. You never know what you're going to get. And discuss new films with our mystery guests from all over the world. Our guests speak freely about their experiences as directors. That's a wrap, everybody. Writers, producers, actors, or whatever contribution they have in the film industry. This is Adult Beverage Film Podcast. Well, welcome back. It's been a while, and it's um, glad to have everybody here. We've got uh, Laura Truman hanging out over here. Actually, Laura Truman Gardner now. Uh, do you we forgot who she was. It's been <laughs> so long since we've I mean, I, I, I'm Laura. It's nice to meet you all. It has. Uh, it's been a minute. Had, we've had a little vacation. Everybody's been on vacation at different times. and uh, Not me. Seth Patrick's been hanging out with the cat. So, oh, and, and we have Patrick Keenan on here. So, welcome, Hello. Patrick. Hey, Good to Patrick. see you again. You look, you got a new look going on with hey. the the new glasses and. Uh, looking Wouldn't s- you know? Bill Maher just started wearing glasses, and he's wearing these same fucking glasses I just got. He's trying so, to copy I mean, you. Yeah. No shit, Bill. Yeah. Maher. Yeah. <laughs> and Carlisle Squeaker Hamrick, what's happening? Hey, how y'all doing? I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a Southern guy today. Hey, I'm gonna be the new special guest. All right, and uh, and my name's <laughs> my name's Kent Smith, and we're just we're glad to be back on here, and uh, I'm glad that we could all of us come back. Um, and we're talking about the Magnificent Seven. So, and we're and we're gonna go back dun, to the dun, dun, 1960s dun, version. Dun, 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 dun. Um, yes. If I am correct, that was the correct year, right? Uh, yeah, you're correct. 1960? Yeah. 1960, John Sturgis. So let's just go around the room and see what we thought of this film, because uh, I know we had some mixed emotions here. And we uh, we'll start with uh, Squeaker to start it off. Oh, great. Ooh. Get me out of the way early, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. We're getting the wrong opinions out of the way first. How many? Let That's me ask right. this. How many I- times did you fall asleep watching it? Before you made it all the way through. I fell asleep at all. It just took me, you know, I watched it 30 minutes at a time over the last, how long has it been since our last podcast? Seven months? (laughs) Seems like it, doesn't Um, it? (laughs) But, you know, I I, got to start off by saying I'm just not a Western guy. They don't, something about, it's too dated. I I can't really get into it. I can't get into the characters. They're boring to you. You know, they don't have iPhones, so I can't really understand. Mm -hmm. Um, You millennials. you know, I guess for a West, I, I was really into the last hour. I was into that. I, once the real action started, since it took about half the movie to get any action. Um, but I, you know, I'm just, again, not a Western fan. I think maybe two or three were magnificent. The other four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's good. Everybody's got to have an opinion. Yeah. And uh, I think that's good. Laura, what, what was your thoughts on this is the first, by the way, this is your first time seeing this, correct? The, before, yes, so all the got, way through. Mm-hmm. I, um, I know, I, I knew it was good, and I bought the DVD knowing that I was going to like it, but I, I never actually made it all the way through the movie. <laughs> I would fall asleep. I would start it and fall asleep. So um, this is the first time I've actually seen it all the way through. And um, quality, quality film. Loved it. I, I used to think it was boring. Not so anymore. <laughs> And and Patrick, how about, what's your thoughts on it? I, I love this movie. I mean, it's it's a great retelling of the Seven Samurai. 
story, uh, and I can understand why some people get a little bit bored, but we have to introduce these uh, these characters and what their kind of backstory is to actually taking the job and uh, for whatever little money is involved. But uh, I think it's great. I think the uh, soundtrack just is is iconic now that song the main magnificent seven theme is amazing and who if you didn't have that i'm not sure the movie would have been as as solid i don't know that people would like get so excited that last 45 minutes or so of the movie is really just excitement and that's what you're waiting for you're waiting for the big showdown between our seven guys and the evil bandits and Ooh, i just love it i've seen this time. See, you do wait a while. It's it's not a, a quick burn. It's not, uh, you know, you don't come out of the gate with people get, getting killed and such. But you have some cool scenes before that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Throughout the podcast this evening. <laughs> How about yes. you, Kent? You're well, on. kind of like uh, Patrick's monologue, the first time I watched it, I sort of, you know, <laughs> dozed off maybe a few times. Um, no, honestly, from the very beginning of this film, I watched it, I was in love with this film. I think it's an awesome. I think it's a great story about humanity and, and all the pieces that go into it and, and the different characters that are we see in life. And, and I think it's this was a well done version. There's some things about it that I, you know, I can pick apart and go into it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have to admit, you know, the one thing that stood out to me was Yul Brenner's walk throughout the, uh, the film, you know, he has this sort of style that's like, I'm like, I don't think of that in the Western style. Um, it felt more like Moses maybe, maybe lost that in the, um, old Testament version or something there. But, um, <laughs> You know, there's things about it that I really like. What are you talking about? His his his, his uh, swagger, his swagger that he had in. He walked <laughs> the one that he. You have to go back and watch the way he walks in this. It's almost as if he. I live the way he walks. I think it's amazing. I wish I could walk like that. I it's sort of like his legs. I can't walk like. It's that. like his legs. He walks like a. a he, I mean, and that's the way he walked in Westworld too, mm-hmm. in the exact same costume. In the exact uh, same costume. I know. It, Exactly Amazing. the same. Beautiful, wonderful, love it. But it's a he also real had an badass accent that didn't match the time, like anybody in the movie. Like his accent was different than any group. You know, of people America's that was a there. melting pot. Squeaker. That's right. Yeah, jumping Jesus. Yule Brenner is to be? all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in the sixties, so but I think like it the, was supposed to be back in I like don't the eighteen. Like I don't so know what war year. times or they like what really said. You don't what think now. Russian Yul Brenner could come over here and be <laughs> a gunfighter with a heart of gold? You don't think that's accurate? I mean, come I on. Not. Yes, he doesn't. <laughs> Now, if anyone's accent should have stuck out to you, it should have been Chico's because he was German. Horst Wuchholz was uh, German, and his accent, like, I kept going, is he supposed to be uh, Mexican? Mm -hmm. And then they're calling him Chico, and I'm like, I guess he's Mexican, but he looks pretty white to me, Yeah, and he talks funny like neither of these Like, he looks like he's been to the beach. But he just has Boom. a tan. He's just a white guy with a tan. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I guess Eli Wallach is not the epitome of Mexican. No, but either. wonderful. But, but more convincing, I think. Lovable bandit. 
such a lovable bandit. Oh. So who who is your favorite? His fav- stories are so great. Too. Who is your favorite character? I mean, throughout this, I mean, who's your favorite character in the films? I mean, mm. you know, because I, I think it could go a lot of different ways in this, and I, 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 it'd be real interesting. Um, I think we'd be negligent if we didn't mention Danny Bravo as Boy with O'Reilly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There, That's his name in the there credits. There were three boys with O'Reilly. So. But apparently their names were not cool enough to be that high up on IMDb. So Danny Bravo wins. <laughs> Danny Bravo. Okay, I'm sorry. Brother to Johnny. Bravo. Who's your favorite? Uh, who, let's hear Squeaker's favorite character because he's going to say something really stupid. That we'll no. <laughs> Man, it's, somebody else go first. It's hard for me to pick a favorite out of this. Just say Eli Wallach. We know yeah, Calvera yeah, was just, your, yeah, your favorite. You're like, He's my favorite of all the characters. I just thought he was really intriguing and and very you know, animated. Very, of, very yeah, animated. He's fun. He's, he's a fun, he's fun in this. And you know he's what? He's a fun heavy. The thing is, is too, is to to know heavy? his character at that, you know, that what he plays in this, and to know what he played in the good, the bad, and the ugly, yes. yeah. as well as to know what he's played since then. The characters, you know, it's so good to see how what a quality actor he is and what he brings to every character that he has. But I thought in this, he has this sort of like I believe him. I think he's you know a Mexican leader you know in the pre-mafia days you know mm-hmm. um he, he had that sort of sense about him which was fun and like exciting and like and and i love the fact that he let the as we go into this but i, I love the fact that his character lets the guys leave you know um, yep. and, yeah and so that gave him a little more even more like he's not just this killer he's got a sense of honor about him that they you know brought through it so i think that was that i think he's definitely my favorite how about you laura what would be yours Mm -hmm. yeah i i agree completely with um the eli wallach i i do like the pair of yule brenner and steve mcqueen because there's (laughs) this you feel like there's this friendship between them um, and this camaraderie and they're smiling at each other. And then later on you find out, like after the movie, I found out that there's this rivalry between them and they're, they're doing each other like a one Excuse me? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that is another version of the Magnificent. That is a, <laughs> doing each other. A different movie altogether <laughs> where they're doing each other. <laughs> um, they're, they're one-upping each other. Like, so Yule Brenner will make a little mound of dirt to, to seem taller than Steve McQueen and mm-hmm. Steve McQueen will take off his hat and wave it around to take attention away from Yul Brenner. And it's like, you know, back and forth. And he and would kick Yul Brenner's it... mound. He would kick his mound. <laughs> kick him right in the mound. <laughs> no, no, no. When Yul Brenner would move a little bit, <laughs> Steve McQueen would knock the mound down again. Yeah. <laughs> kick him in, kick the, him in the mound. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really interesting that they had this sort of dynamic between them. But, you know, it was like they were bad. Their egos were battling and and how they did things. But maybe that's why it worked with the characters. I mean, whatever went on and whatever turmoil there was between them, it came off so natural and almost like. You know, kind of like out of the corner, it became real, like the acting yeah. between them. And I thought Steve McQueen is amazing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he his I thought he was a very like likable character, 
but also like had this charisma about him. And maybe that was part of this banner that was going on between them that mm-hmm. we didn't see that can sometimes filter into a set. Now that can also go the opposite way and you can you can instantly notice it and go, Whoo, that's not, not a good situation. So um okay. Patrick, what was your favorite? You know, I really do love all seven of the guys, even Harry for his drawbacks. Really? But they're <laughs> yeah, because he at the end he kind of does the right thing, even though yeah. if it's for the he wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he shoots like one person mm-hmm. in the movie, I think. But there's one character that's my favorite. Who can guess? Out of Is seven. The horse. No. The horse. It's not the horse. It's not the horse. <laughs> horse's horse. Okay, uh, I'll help you out. Uh, it was Lee, Robert Vaughn, who has really? probably the least to say. But when Eleven I saw lines. When I, oh, damn you. Eleven. Uh, but each one of them was a moment. At least I thought so. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I probably saw this on like uh, TV, like in syndication, obviously, because I wasn't born in 1960. I wasn't alive. But <laughs> I saw it when I was a little kid. And as soon as Robert Vaughn showed up, I went, the man from Uncle. And I was pulled into this movie because I was like, amazing. But when I, every time I watch it and he's about to, uh, they've come back to fight the bandits at the end, in the end game there. And he has his gun in his hand and he's about to run into that room and kill some, some bandits. And he puts his gun back into the holster to see if he still has it, like the skill and then kicks the door in and then draws and kills three of the bandits. And I'm like, that's fucking outstanding. Love that moment. And plus, his character's not in the Seven Samurai, so right. He was a, he was, was oh, newly it was conceived. Just for him. That's right. right. Yeah, and he's the one who got James Coburn in on uh, the movie. Because he's great in it too. So they they got each Where? other a lot of roles over the years. He this lived is the, the longest. Only movie. Yes, he the longest of the seven uh, magnificent people. And Eli Where Wallach was, was the oldest. Everybody- Oh, and he sorry. lived pretty long too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, like Where were all of these actors, you know, at the time in 1960? Were they all like, I guess, stars or um, was no, anybody kind of at different I, stages in their career? Well, well you, Steve McQueen kind of said this is the movie that made him, but he was he was on the up, but he was on the up. He was on the uprise. He was on the up, and Yul Brenner, I guess, was Dead known. Or alive. Yeah. Yes, but for some reason, he thought that this was the movie. That made him, I guess, because there used to be that stigma that TV actors aren't film actors and such. Uh, That's obviously gone completely out the window these days. So now it's the uh, same, but for the opposite reason. Like if you do TV, like oh, you're too good for movies, right? (laughs) Damn, I won't say (laughs) that. Joke? I can't make a joke. (laughs) Oh, that was a joke. I get you. Oh, but yeah, Steve. Oh, squeaker. The the Great Escape, Steve McQueen did the Great Escape in like sixty three and Bullet in sixty eight. Yeah, so that's yeah. those were the years where he really jumped into his sort of, you know, super. I mean, he was like a a mega star at that time, um, right? So this Broad. was before, but uh, you know, I think, um, but Yul Brenner, you know, he was he was big at that. He was time. the king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this was. Uh, and when that was, was that made in the fifth in the late fifties. Uh, which one? Yeah. King and King I? King and I? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what der, der, year der, that was. Der, der, That's a good der. question. We'll have uh, Squeaker look that up. because. So in the meantime, I will jokes. tell you that um, <laughs> Yule Brenner was a, a very much a prima donna on set and had his, like, uh, 
entourage with him and they would set up a hammock with fans and he had like a macaw that he would demand to be nearby and um there was a lot of 19th demands 1956 1956 the king and i so he could demand some things by 1960 1956 the ten commandments okay yeah so he did two of the biggest movies Huge, because yeah. that took on a whole new meaning to everyone. Um, so well-earned prima donnaship there. Well, th- I mean, I'm not a big fan of anyone being a prima donna on set, but he actually, <laughs> wasn't he involved in the actual making of the film? Yes, yes. it was his I special pet project. That, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had loved the Seven Samurai, and he wanted to, I guess you say Americanize it, but uh, modernize, well, I guess Americanize it, or make yeah. it more approachable to Western audiences because he was in the sequel as well as Chris. Mm-hmm. And he's he the only one Chris that came again. back. Yeah. And then there were two more movies that I remember because like George Kennedy was in one of them and maybe Lee Van Cleef or something like that. Maybe. Oh, and then like, there's there like other that'll be on the stars. Movies. That's basically like seven samurai in space. And that has Robert Vaughn. Oh, in it. Robert Vaughn was actually in a few of the, uh, I think he was in the TV series as a character, but not one of the Magnificent Seven. He was like a judge or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I read that. Yep. What was the key moment? You came across that. Yeah. What do you think was the key moment in this film where it's sort of like you were watching it and all of a sudden you went, okay, I'm, I'm in, because I don't think, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but, but for me, I didn't jump in this early. It's sort of like as the film progressed, I got farther into the characters. Oh, wow, started really? believing. Yeah, when are you emotionally Yeah, when are you invested? emotionally invested in this film? Uh, that, that's my question to any of you. Because so. I, 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 I think – I was very into the, the scene with the, the delivering the body to the cemetery. I thought that was great. Yeah. And I went like, I like these two guys. But, you know, that's only two of the seven, so – I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but I was very no, no, no. That, that see, that would be your point like, where you feel cool. Yeah, so that you know, and that's what I think is interesting. There's so many different ways and places that you could you know jump in on this. Um, Laura, do you remember the point that you kind of fell in? Like, okay, this is I'm not going to fall asleep during this because I want to find out what's going on. <laughs> well, there's a point <laughs> where um, Bronson, who is Bernardo O'Reilly, Bernardo, um, Bernardo. Um, he starts talking with the three little boys and he's telling them about how they need to be proud of their fathers. Their fathers are courageous. And and at that point I'm like, Oh my God, this is so touching. I love it. Wow, that's, an, that's an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a slow build. So you were a slow, right? you were slow, you were slow in the getting, but they I was invested, got but not like ooh, invested, you know? <laughs> Squeaker, how about you? Any, any time in there? Did you think of? I mean, I'll say I, I never really got emotionally invested, but I thought there were a lot of cool moments along the way. Early on, um, when he brings a basically a knife to a gunfight. Oh, the yeah, door, that is a good moment. He pops mm-hmm. him with the knife. That, that was cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting because you realize he's being – and it also makes it feel real. Like – this probably happened back in the day to someone, and this was something that could easily kind of evolve into a, 
you know, a script on it. So I think that starts to make it feel real and like you can kind of relate to it. Uh, I think to me it really was when um, the seven came together and, you know, and they're cutting through the woods kind of little area along by the creek and then they see the fishing fish hanging and he's down there and they signal, you know, come with us. And then he signals, come on over to the fire. You know, that to me was that pivotal point where I was like, now I see all the pieces have come together and I can see where the stories, now you've got this camaraderie and this family that's starting to happen. And now you start to feel, I felt emotional more to them at that point, because now I'm starting to say, this is a piece where they're, they're really coming together as a group, you know, and then this, cause he, this kid is an outsider here. I mean, nobody, he's not, he's doing everything he can to get into the group. And then at this point they're like, you know what? He's hanging out and we're going to give him a chance, you know? So I think that's yeah, when I it that was a cool me. moment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when he kind of earned his place in the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think the music, in that point too, the score was kind of under there pushing some of that to make you have some emotion with it, which was uh, a good touch. So, I had a friend who, uh, it wasn't actually this movie, it was Silverado that uh, inspired him to say it because anytime you get like a bunch of dudes on horses and play some real cool, rousing music, like Americans just love it. <laughs> it's true. And I think it's true a lot of times because this movie, how can you not feel like uh, yeah, when mm-hmm. they're all like riding their horses with the that iconic song playing. Yeah, and this was and a western, you know, and this yeah. was, uh, and you know, you got to also in the '60s, you just come out of a lot of in the '40s and '50s, all these cowboy movies. So this was kind of on the the switch where really we started to see less after this um, cowboy, you know, westerns. Yeah, we're switching to cop dramas after right, this. Right, right. And so... Like cop rock. Yeah. And it was it. almost as if, like, at that point, it was like, yeah. That it was almost as if they'd said, uh, we've reached the pinnacle with this film, you know? And this is kind of one of the kind of top westerns. I think, you know, probably one of the higher grossing westerns. Um, well, actually, it wasn't a commercial success. Not, not at that time, but... As you see yeah, through the it, but years, it became a classic. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's funny, it's the same thing with It's a Wonderful Life, where mm-hmm. these movies that audiences initially are kind of like, eh, you know, eh, whatever. And then they become these massive classics that, even if you've never seen it, you need to own it in your collection, right. like Laura. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and thank it, goodness we had it. a podcast about her. She still, I wouldn't have seen it. So it's as uh, <laughs> No kidding. What yeah. other movies does she yeah. need to see? She watches so There was much a whole crap. list. Um, yeah, I got a, got a bunch of those. <laughs> uh, what else on this movie? Akira Kurosawa really loved it. Yeah, yeah, that was very interesting. I didn't think that would be the case. And He sent uh, Sturgis a kabuki doll mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. show his appreciation for it. As one does. <laughs> like you do. You know, like you do when you're when you're happy with something. Well, it's funny because I have a lot of you know because I, I uh, trained with actors and everything. You get a lot, and so many film people. You get these uh, people who you mentioned the Magnificent Seven. They go, you know, I liked it better when it was the seven, or when it was the Seven Samurai. And it's just like, well, but it's not because now it's cowboys and it's a different movie. Yeah, it's different. But all right, <laughs> cool, what, like, I guess. 
people are so quick to like dismiss things these days it seems so well and i think too much people don't have um to have appreciation for one and that's it is i think is very blindsided uh i think a quality yeah it's film, there's no there's no rewards for uh, i don't think for loyalty to one yeah. film over no. the no. other you don't have to pick a side. You can like them all. Right. Exactly. You can, you can like, like Star I, uh, Wars and Star Trek. That doesn't mean you have to <laughs> yes, like one can. better than the other. But, uh, you know, you can you, know, right. you can choose that and say, I like this one better than I like that one. But I think, I think these are two different separate genres, which then become two different separate movies. Even though there's similarities and there's a lot of that, they are so... St- different in their certain aspects of it too in the mindset and how they flow and the you know the placement of uh you know in the seven samurais of the placement of actors and positions is even different than how they are in this so mm-hmm. um oh it, and even like the use of weather as like a character in the movie like right. i've never seen seven samurai but there's a lot of talk in the commentary on the dvd of Magnuson Seven about how he uses weather as almost like a character in the movie, and it doesn't rain where they were filming in Mexico, so right. they right, couldn't right. use that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny if you watch the remake. To oh, I'm sorry, Ghost Squeaker. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to change it up a little bit. Go ahead. I was going to say if you see the uh, the one of the remakes, the latest remake with Denzel Washington, um, I enjoyed that one too. It's quite different because now we've introduced non-white actors. You have, a, you have an Asian, you have a, a black actor as Chris, you have – it's not fighting Mexican bandits. It's still a Western, but instead of Mexican bandits, it's uh, – oh, I always mess up his last – Skarsgård? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're fighting an evil, what appeared to be coked up white man. And uh, <laughs> and it still is just as interesting. The characters are different and, and unique and it's fun to watch, but it's a different movie than the original Magnificent Seven. It, the basic concept's the same, because you have seven guys fighting a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But I still like I like both of them. I, I, I don't want to be like, no, the remake's stupid because it's a remake. There's so many remakes of it. So, I mean, like, the A-Team is a remake of the Magnificent Seven. Like, yes. there's just, mm-hmm. it's it leaks into what? everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, they, take, they take the structure and then they put it into a new genre, a new... Uh, um, a new story and it, but that happens throughout history with books as well as in in film and cinema uh, yeah a good it, story is a good story a good story but mm-hmm. you know if you can tell it and take uh, the structure of one and then use it to tell a different way I think that's the way it comes off great when they do it and it seems so much like another story then that can sometimes be very distracting and take you back to uh, I just read a script just recently for a friend and and you know reading it I'm thinking about one particular other film that's so much like it that takes you away from the story so you know I think that doesn't happen in this film and you you become in, involved in it you become involved with the characters you start to believe in the story and you want to know how it's going to end so Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't have to end the same way you know it can end different ways which is that that's a great part of you know making movies Mm -hmm. and you can add your robert vaughn's if wherever you want to 
Right. He can, well, not anymore. He's he's no longer yeah. with us. It's hard to do. <laughs> no! They have to do a digital version of him now. Laura, he stuck in there as long as possible, but <laughs> he did. He really did. He was around for a while, and he was in the TV show, and he, you know, he's. I wonder if he, now he couldn't be in any of the sequels. That'd be stupid, wouldn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you died in a couple movies ago. How many of you did they hire? Enough. New wall. There are lots of new walls all around. They won't keep me out. They're built to keep you in. All 40 of us, by these three. Or is it four? They couldn't afford to hire more than that. We come cheaper by the bunch. Five. Even five wouldn't give us too much trouble. There won't be any trouble if you ride on. Ride on? I'm going into the hills for the winter. Where am I going to get the food for my men? Buy it or grow it. Or maybe even work for it. Seven. Somehow I don't think you've solved my problem. Solving your problems isn't our line. We deal in lead, friend. So do I. We're in the same business, huh? Only as competitors. Why not as partners? Suppose I offer you equal shares. In what? Everything. To the last grain. And the people in the village? What about them? I leave it to you. Can men of our profession worry about things like that? May even be sacrilegious. If God didn't want them sheared, he would not have made them sheep. What do you say? Ride on. Um, so one thing I kept thinking watching this is you really don't know much about these people in their past, like the the actual seven and where they came from. And that was kind of, you kind of felt that in the town, too, because you realized that the town had hidden the women when they came in. Um, so basically, you know, we were pulling for them the whole movie, but who were these people? What was their background? Were they good guys? Were they bad guys? Do you feel like you really knew them? I think they didn't describe them. I mean, they were farmers, and they were hiding their family because they were so used to being raided by you know, these uh, savages, and so they didn't want their women to be, you know, taken advantage of. And gunfighters um, have a reputation. Yeah. And these were hired guns. Yeah. With the exception of Chico, I think all of them were were hired guns, and that's mm-hmm. basically someone you would probably hide your women from. And that, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. And their the guns, they had, had really big yeah. guns, too, so you were really, that was another issue to deal with. So. Was that a euphemism? Or? Yes, there was a euphemism. <laughs> So, yeah. So, but but I think you know when they came back into town and that scene where, you know, they're sort of putting on this kind of event for the people that that they weren't there, so or for the gun, you know the gunfighters. Um, you mean after? But, the I'm, first, but I'm really like surprised attack. that they did not bring them in afterwards. So basically, these women were hiding out for forty days or however many days it took for them to you know, fight this thing. 
But they did bring them in afterwards because then they they were there to cook all the food and well, yeah, make all the that's stuff. True. That's true. There was basically one that had any lines in the entire movie. Only one female. Yeah. The one that Chico liked. This was yeah. not an equal she was only used movie to... at that time. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and plus they can't f- – I mean at that time they were like, women can't fight. So keep mad aside. Well, that and like, there's already seven lead leading men in this movie. Like, how many other people are going to get to have lines? Like, there are only so many lines. We have two hours and nine minutes of movie. Yeah, Robert like, Vaughn only. What you say? Robert Vaughn eleven only had lines. 11 lines. <laughs> yeah. And James Coburn only gets sixteen. Yeah. So, well, there's not I mean, a lot of lines. Period. I mean, it's not a, you know a talking. Yeah. There's it's, a lot of looking. It's a lot of looking, and yes, uh, characters and. <laughs> You know, walking on horses and the looking. Yeah, just looking at stuff. If you could see Patrick right now, the look—I can't even see it because of the glare. But let me just tell you, I'm sure it's great. Yes, (laughs) that was my smoldering. He makes good looks. He's got it was blue steel all the way. Oh, oh, oh! Smoldering. You're missing out, folks. You're not (laughs) seeing this. We're gonna put that up on Instagram for you later. It's gonna be great. Uh, There, yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it's interesting. I think that you know we think about the times and how, if that would be able to pass now, um, which I don't think it would. I don't think it would get passed. I don't think the script could be pulled off now. That just you mean talking of, about hiding the women? Well, there's just not enough character women roles in it. So, I mean, well, was uh, I? It's been a while since I've seen the remake or the most recent one. But were there any women gunfighters or women? I haven't seen it. I mean, I, 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 I think they're honest. still making oh, oh, like okay. sexist movies. I, I think people are still funding those. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, it's, it's, some people are really loving them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere I mean, there's, a, there's definitely an audience for that out there in Germany. I oh, love yeah. them in Germany. Horst. Yeah. So. Horst, Horst Pokots. Um, <laughs> I wish they had plucked his uh, unibrow just just a touch, but other than that, Horst. He's cute. Hmm? Horst. Well, let's talk about, you know, since this is adult beverage film podcast, what are you guys drinking? What you drinking? Patrick's drinking the ultimate adult beverage. Agua. Me too. Filtered water. (laughs) What? Come on, Carlisle. Jeez. This show. This is adult beverage podcast. This is going to. Laura, what are you drinking? All right. Let's see. What is it? Voodoo Ranger. I think it's called V2K IPA. And it's loaded with slogans from the 2000s. Nice. Like, um, well, I can't. And I'm assuming it's I just put it back in the sleep. I'm very so, happy. No. <laughs> it's very happy. I'm over here what drink, are you drinking, Kent? A little Jameson. Uh, you know, a little oh. Irish whiskey. Uh, Irish whiskey. Yeah, you got to have a little whiskey to go. Um, talking about a Western. Come on. <laughs> like, that's the only way. Okay, was anybody yeah. a little bit grossed out? I don't know if it's the age of COVID or just I'm a germaphobe, but after they deliver the body to the cemetery, that one guy comes up and goes, ah, that was amazing. Here, drink, have a drink on me, and hands him a, the a bottle that he's obviously been drinking yeah. out of. And they, you know, Yul Brenner takes a little uh, swig of it, and uh, I don't know that uh, Steve McQueen does immediately, and then he gives Gives it back to the guy. Guy takes another one. Then he gives it to him. He goes, you keep the bottle. Yeah. And then Yul Brenner hands it to uh, Steve McQueen. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> yeah. Even though I know alcohol kills germs, I'm still grossed out by the fact that this is what buying a drink meant. Back then, that was, was the way it was. Yeah. You just hey, passed here, it I just sucked yeah. out of the top of this. <laughs> Have a Actually, swig. Back then, the alcohol was not 
the percentage that it is now. Right. So I don't know that it would have killed the germs. Well, I think that would have just been spreading Jesus. that shit right around. Yeah, I, it was definitely. Hey, uh, you've got like the beers now were, too. Beers, beers were like two percent <laughs> back then. So uh, really? Oh yeah, yeah. Very, very. And not even some. Yeah, I and this one I have is six point nine. But you know, it's the water was the issue back then too because they didn't have the sanitation filtered water filtered stuff that we have in they the didn't have fine filtered water right right it was not brought the to best you by body anybody can buy <laughs> <laughs> you know it's neat in this movie the because i keep droning on about the damn theme song did you guys ever see the ringer with johnny knoxville i don't think so <laughs> this is a movie no. it's a movie surprisingly no and i don't think i'll see it even after you talk about it this is a movie probably well, I, I love it. this movie, and it's when you first when you get the synopsis at first, you're like, "This has got to be the fucking most horrible movie ever made." Because Johnny Knoxville needs money, and his uncle enters him into the Special Olympics <gasps> and says uh. that he has to pretend to be uh, uh, an athlete in the Special Olympics. Now, about half the cast is actual uh, people who are mentally challenged, and they steal this movie. Like nobody's business. Oh, that's and wonderful. They, they at some point realize that Johnny Knoxville is not uh, one of them. Gobble gobble is not one, one of them. Us. Is not one of them. And they try to train him for the Special Olympics. And there's a montage where they use the Magnificent Seven song. And it is so... T- <laughs> um, this movie, which you think at first, you're like, God, this is the most horrifying premise for a movie. By the end of the movie, you find out is really very pro Special Olympics, uh, specially challenged, special needs, whatever, what have you. And it's really fun. So check out The Ringer. If you didn't like it, Squeaker recommended it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Laura hasn't seen it. it. I feel like this is a DVD I have upstairs that I haven't watched. Mm. Just one. (laughs) The upstairs collections, the forbidden ones. (laughs) I know. Laura has a DVD of everything. She has DVDs of our family movies from when we were kids. I do. Yes. You were so cute. (laughs) I was. What happened? (laughs) Called Blinky. It's called Blinky. Wasn't that your name? (laughs) Patrick Blinky. Blinky. Why would my nickname be Blinky? I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe you were a ghost of Pac Man. I don't know. I don't know. My mom used to call me Frodo Baggins. What? Yeah, I knew if I threw a name out, we'd get the real name come out. That she, is she would, amazing. Because my brother was a huge Tolkien fan. So everything, like every Christmas and birthday, was filled with to- Tolkien stuff. And I guess just enough of it stuck in my mom's head where she would call me like Bilbo or Frodo Baggins. <laughs> Oh, and go. I'm like, that is fucking funny. She has no idea. Bilbo might be worse, but <laughs> boy, I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, blinking. I'd be either one in the movies. Hell, nice. I wish. Hey, so one more thing about this movie. Hey, yeah, hey, did you? Um, hey, hey, how'd you feel when the town sold them out and like brought the brought the dude into once they were gone? Caldera. Oh, you mean the one guy sold well, them no, out? Well, no. Like, well, I guess, yeah. I guess the one guy did sell them, but the whole town was in on it because they all came out and they were like, yep, we did tell them. <laughs> <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> like, how did you feel? Like, they explained it away pretty well that we only have to do one thing for him and for these guys, like, you're kind of like wild cards. But I don't know. I, I, I thought, thought they, they had earned the trust. For doing yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Because they went to all the trouble to hire these guys. And 
I don't know. They just – I felt like they were giving up. You know? It was and a maybe, dick move. And then yeah. when the seven rode back into town, the the townspeople didn't really redeem themselves until they went, we had a fight too. Yes. When uh, Steve McQueen yeah, and Yul Brenner are stuck in that uh, – stuck in that one building and then they all run out with their chairs and their tortilla flippers, <laughs> whatever those little fan things are. And I went, yep. really, you're going to, you're going to attack them with a chair. All right. And that's what they Go said they it. would do when, when he asked them, are you ready to fight? Yes. We're mm-hmm. ready to fight with whatever we have, but it wasn't the long opposite. enough to grow up. Exactly. <laughs> when, when they did turn on them though, when they were like, they basically sold you out and they came walking out so sheepishly like they played that really well whoever the actors that played those parts they came out like yeah it was us like we did it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny in the where they were redeeming themselves one group of the townspeople came out first and started fighting and then it took the other group of townsmen a little while before they went yeah yeah let's get in on this <laughs> well that was the dads too right because then the sons were like oh our dads can fight well then they became yes. that's yeah. right that's mm-hmm. right and then, you know, Bronson talks, there's your dad's you know, fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was so sad. That was sad. Anytime some, one of the seven died, even when uh, uh, Harry died, you're like, oh, man. But he should have known better. Like, he went in there, like, uh, fully open <laughs> to what, like, he was just riding in there, just like, hey, blah, 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 I'm pow. invincible, yes. Like, no, he was trying to... Uh, he was trying to rec- rescue Chris. Right. Because he said, don't worry, Chris. I'll get you out of there. He did say that. And then shoots like he, one person and then gets popped immediately. They're like, all right, think Harry. it through perfectly. Nah, no, well, no. He, he Harry was wasn't also, a thinker. He also okay. came in as the, you know, he was the one that didn't stick with the others. And so and you knew he was going to die. Yeah. So he was just destined to die. So. But uh, were any of their motives pure? I don't know. I think uh, I think Yul maybe Brenner's... they wanted to be better people, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Harry was anyone really person. in it for just twenty dollars for six weeks? I know that's a good paycheck to me these days. Yeah, that's more, that's more than we're making here on Adult Beverage. <laughs> no shit. Please donate. Yeah. Please. And then they I know we're the gonna gold, need a but... fucking Indiegogo for us. Well, we might have to do that coming up. <laughs> was there actual gold? Remember, no. Will Brenner told no. him when he died, so that was just made up. That was that was just because he oh, was dying to make God. him feel like. Uh, Let's back up also to you. Remember when we saw Bad Times at the El Royale, and yeah. the kid got shot, and he's going like uh, the the girl at Eva was telling uh, Jeff Bridges to help him. He goes, "I can't help him." And she goes, help him. He goes, I'm not a priest. And she goes, help him. And he pretends to right. be a priest and tells mm-hmm. him what he wants to hear before he dies. Does that ring a bell, Quasimodo? Yeah. yeah. And if he doesn't, you can go back and listen to our podcast. On. I just rewatched it again uh, recently. I fucking love that movie more and more every time I see it's it. It's fun. It's a great so movie. Fun. Yeah. There's too good. many movies I like. I can't wait till our next podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, you hate mm-hmm. plenty of movies. Don't don't pretend. Oh, no, this is true. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is this is. Or there's a lot of movies that I'm apathetic about that people are like, "Oh my god, Suicide Squad was the best movie I ever saw." And I'm like, "Oh, it's fun. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, cute. Yeah." Anyway, back to Magnificent Seven. Right. Yul Brenner, bald. Mm-hmm. He is quite bald. Why? You know what? They make up a song about you and this hat. 
Villages like this, they make up a song about every big thing that happens. Sing them for years. You think it's worth it? Don't you? It's only a matter of knowing how to shoot a gun. Nothing big about that. Hey, how can you talk like this? Your gun has got you everything you have. Isn't that true? Hmm? Well, isn't it true? Yeah, sure, everything. After a while, you can call bartenders and faro dealers by their first name. Maybe 200 of them. Rented rooms you live in, 500. Meals you eat in hash houses, a thousand. Home, none. Wife, none. Kids. None. Prospects, zero. Suppose I left anything out? Yeah. Places you're tied down to, none. People with a hold on you, none. Men you step aside for, none. Insults swallowed, none. Enemies, none. No enemies? Alive. <laughs> Any final thoughts on uh, The Magnificent Seven? It was good. You should see it. I loved it. It's better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. again. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's that timeless tale that you love to see with a bunch of underdog guys taking on large groups. Funny story. I, for years, wanted to make a zombie movie remake of Seven Samurai Magnificent Seven. So it was like, but it would be like a Western. But instead of bandits, you would have undead. And then (laughs) wouldn't you know, like the sci-fi channel or something did a shit one with it seemed like most of the members of the Backstreet Boys oh, as no. the gunfighters, and my heart was broke. Oh man! Right there. Where, well, what's went, that called? Well, so we can go find it. <laughs> I mean, I can't remember because I never watched it. I saw one trailer for it, and I went, "Well, that's what I always wanted to make." Destroyed before my very eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna find that, and I'm gonna watch it for you, so that Good. you don't have do to so. watch it. Please mm-hmm. do so. Yeah. Although I have access to the sci-fi app. I wonder if it's on there. That would be nice. But I'd need a name. <laughs> Nick Carter can't so be in that many movies. Not, maybe, yeah, he I can't, no, he can't be in many. No. <laughs> there, was, there was like a seven-year period there where he could have been in some stuff. Seven you think? <laughs> All right. Well, let's not ever talk about the Backstreet Boys again. But Magnificent okay. Seven is magnificent, and you should watch it. And watch the remake. And... Uh, Send us your thoughts on which you prefer. And, and by send us your thoughts, I mean on Facebook. Yeah, watch the TV show with Michael Bean and uh, Ron Perlman. And or watch the 18th. Others. Or watch you don't Battle have to Beyond watch the Stars. If you don't want. Or, you know. I, I, it's called, I can watch it's the called 18th. called Dead Seven, by the way. Dead Seven. Dead wow. Seven. It came out wow. in 2016. The movie, the movie that shit upon my dreams. Mm, wow. Carlisle's on it. It's nice actually job. got... Nick Carter and Joey Fatone, so it's got a little Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Oh, oh, wow. got, uh, okay, I'm definitely going to watch this. This is <laughs> sounding interesting. Dead this Seven right might be Lars. tonight's watch. Lars going to get the two ninety nine. I'm so excited about this. It actually, looks like it's got all the Backstreet Boys and then Joey Fatone. Wow. Who will do anything for money? Don't blame <laughs> you, Joey. Yeah. Right don't, there with you, buddy. I don't either. You know what? No shame. There's hey. no shame in that. They probably had the same idea when they were kids to make the movie, and they had the money, and they did it. (laughs) And they said, let's fill it with has-been boy bands. Right. 
Right. And it's going to be Heart hilarious. Broken. Someone's going to watch it. Someone's going to So watch say it one more time. Dead 7. Dead 7. Oh, Dead 7. Dead right. 7. Which okay. is not to be confused with The Magnificent 7, which is what we've been talking about. And let's talk about what we're going to be watching next. That's going to be coming up. Uh, somebody want to fill a Danish in movie or? called Yarnish Farpikjern Dinschinkan. That sounds like the Swedish chef. Or another round. <laughs> called like another round for all. Another, the that's what I said. You Danish ignorant speakers. <laughs> or is it is it Druk? It's Druk in Danish. Are you gonna sh- show me up now in front of our our viewing audience. We don't have any viewers. <laughs> what? Right, there's no viewers to show you up. This is news to me. And I'm the one well, who's all the listeners will. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's so listen be our to this. We're one. doing another round. Yeah, next another time. round. So definitely check out that. And um, hey, look, this has been fun, right? Okay, maybe not. So obviously, westerns are not. I don't know if you're saying that for yourself or are you trying to convince? I'm trying to convince myself. Come on, this was this this was fun, right? This has been fun. You you know what we are right now is we're like the uh, we've had such a long layoff. We're rusty. We're like the NBA guys when they go back for their first first preseason game. You're like, oh, these guys have not touched a basketball. (laughs) What's a basketball? Preseason force. Good point. Good yeah. point. This looks like a volleyball, but I'm not sure. Well, in all fairness, we'll be much better next time. We'll be better next time. We promise. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna get upset about We just apologize. We just apologize for this podcast. Yeah, definitely, we've been apologizing for this podcast from day one. This is not the first time. Ain't that so. the truth? Well, God I'm forbid sorry, our sponsors dude. pull out. Yeah. So, <laughs> will so it? anyway, is it will it? Anyway, will it? the good thing will is. It? You guys can listen to the next one and it'll be better. So uh, thanks again for listening (laughs) and we love you and make sure you rate review and subscribe on all the different platforms. And did I leave out anything that we're missing? Um, Okay. And that's it. So wonderful. (laughs) And make sure you listen next time. Thanks again. And we love you. Talk to you soon. Like having a drink and talking films. Yep. The Adult Beverage Film Podcast is your go-to podcast. Join the conversation and listen to film industry producers, actors, directors, writers share all of their experiences in the film industry. Expand your mind into films you've already seen. Plus, find new films to watch in the future. Visit adultbeverage.net or go to your favorite podcast platform and listen to Adult Beverage Film Podcast episodes today. Thank you.